Hello and welcome to the Six Degrees of John Keel podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Barbara Fisher. Tonight, coming to speak with me about paranormal films or the paranormal in film is Zoe Burdett. She was here last time to talk about owls and woodlands and a wedding dress. And she's also a film person like I am. So welcome. Thank you. So happy to be back, Barbara. Yeah. Yeah, this is this is fun. We've been trying to, to get together. And, you know, Morgana was like in school. I was falling down. Um, and, and we did we did record once before. And the Internet gods said no, no. It wasn't to um, be. No. And so... I, I gave good sacrifices th this afternoon, so it should be all right. So here we are. Um, so Zoe, I really, before we actually start on the individual films, what was your first film that you saw, whether in childhood or early, early adulthood, that really gave you the idea of paranormality in film and in life that kind of kind of bridged that gap for you between fiction and, and reality? Ooh, I think that would have to be The Shining. I, I can see that. It's a household staple. My, my parents are also movie people. And my dad has had a poster of the big Jack Nicholson, here's Johnny face up on his right. like, our garage ceiling, along with taxi driver ever since I can remember. And <laughs> I remember identifying very closely with Danny because I was about his age when I first watched The Shining. Oh, wow. Yes. And in addition to that, I also was a sensitive child in the spiritual sense, although I didn't really have the vocabulary at that point to right to work with that. So watching it had that dual meaning for me where I could identify with Danny because of his age, but also because of what he was experiencing. Not not so much to that extent, but it gave right. me a context of oh, so I'm not the only one. Right. Right. Um you know, Kubrick was really careful with the actor who played Danny. Mm -hmm. um, and, and that's one of the things I always want to bring up. I remember the first time I saw it, my mom was like, how could this kid, you know, be in this movie on this set? Oh, my God. And um, I found out that Kubrick and Nicholson both were really kind to him. Mm -hmm. and And the kid really grew up never seeing the whole film until he was like 17 or 18, something like that. Like he was, you know, pretty much fully grown up and he didn't realize it was a horror film mm -hmm. until he actually watched it. And then he was like, Oh, Oh no. <laughs> <You> <laughs> so it isn't all a nightmare kind of uh, set because everybody, you know, hears about um, Shelley Duvall. Mm -hmm. And and how horrified she was, and he got great performances out of her. But yeah, it was grueling. At what cost? I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> I 
But I, I believe the same thing happened with the child actor in The Shining, or not The Shining, sorry, The Omen, the uh, Danny and mm -hmm. The Omen. He was also kept from it until much later when he learned really what his part was. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, I was, I was Satan. Okay. <laughs> I didn't really realize that. I was just having fun. Mm -hmm. No. Yeah, I can't imagine yeah. what it's like. I'm child actors. I mean, trying to think of myself as a child and, you know, having to retain that sort of thing, just playing make believe. But I don't know. It's a, it's a strange, strange feeling for someone who hasn't gone through it, I guess. Yes. Well, interestingly, and you were the one who pointed it out, all of the films that we chose um, seem to have a thematic connection even though the first one is about uh, pagan traditions, the second one is about UFOs. The third one is about, I'm not actually sure what that <laughs> one's about. Um, I, I'll say demonic possession, even though I, I don't necessarily think that's what's going on. Yeah. But when we get to it, y'all will understand, really. And then... The third one is about ghosts and mediums. Or no, the fourth one is about ghosts and mediums. And then the fifth one is about hauntings and being haunted. But in every one of them, there's in the center of it a family or a child. So I, I really think that that's one of the... I, I, it's just one of the key parts of the paranormal that people don't really talk about or think about is children are almost always in there somewhere doing something. You know, they're the ones who see the ghosts or hear them. Um, they're the ones who have the nightmares about the aliens coming through the walls. Not always, but often. And uh, they're the ones who have this great imagination that parents will often say, it's just your imagination. So I really think that's something as we go along, we can, we can talk about it. So mm -hmm. you had, you picked the first one. So why don't you go and start with that? The first one that came to mind when we were talking about this was the wicker man, the original, not oh, of the course, yay. but, uh, yeah, not not to harsh on the original, that will take a whole other podcast. I mean, not the, uh, not the original. The remake. The, the remake, yes. Not to harsh on that or Nick Cage or anything. I know that's a beloved bad movie for so many people, but the, uh, <laughs> talking about that could take a whole other episode. Yeah, it could. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, lo I love the original as most do just because it captures so well the how those traditions are kept alive and also how it's a murder mystery, but it's a time capsule and it has these two, well, it's a, it's folk horror. I mean, we were talking about that whole genre that's just coming back. So a lot of people are rediscovering the wicker man and mm -hmm. all these pagan traditions that people are starting to really talk about more and share, which is fantastic. And yet it takes a turn at the very end of it 
that I didn't expect because I was just having a grand old time with this silly policeman is the only way I can talk about him because good God, that man, he just shows up and starts blundering, blustering, like no roast beef man ever has. And (laughs) (laughs) for all the, the British procedurals we see now and people love them, it's so much different that I'm not sure I've never seen one of those series if they had them in the from the 70s. But he shows up by himself, no partner. These it's an island full of hippies, and none of them think to ask him for a search warrant when he starts looking for this missing child. And then you have Christopher Lee doing whatever the heck he's doing. (laughs) Being charming. And (laughs) one of my favorite Christopher Lee facts is that he barely got paid anything to be in that movie. He just wanted to be in it. Yes. Yes. He wanted to be Lord Summer Isle really, really badly. (laughs) I don't blame him. I want to be Lady Summer Isle. I know, right? (laughs) To go back in time. (laughs) World's most interesting man. But with that film in particular it's it's always fun because for people who are rediscovering neo-paganism or for people who have done it forever just people who have either grown up in those traditions or know a lot about them it's a fun little study of what it would be like if an entire pagan community could exist on an island off the coast of england and actually work because in yeah. form and function, it's still a fun, but it's, they have schools, they have town government, they have this whole thing, they have their Lord, who's more kind of like a, not a benevolent dictator, but he's, he's like the Lord of the, the Shire or right. what have you. He's the, he's the Lord Grantham of Summer Isle. Yeah. And, yeah. But then you get this one loud, christian in there and everything goes right to pot yeah yeah although it's really funny because it seems like the villagers rather than being like 15 kinds of particularly upset about him make it their business to make fun of the cop and Mm. pick on him and trick him and tease him and they, and they they do the whole the whole film he gets razzed and mm-hmm. uh and it is a bunch of hippies but at the same time they're mostly wearing traditional british like you know middle class and working class clothes right mm-hmm. so they they look like what he expects people to look like you mm-hmm. know they look like oh this is the pub owner and and this is the this is the the chambermaid for the inn and this is the school teacher so all of those you know check out in his mind but then they act completely differently Mm -hmm. and he starts to like it's almost like he loses his footing when he realizes none of these people are christian none of these people are going to cooperate with him i mean they do they they answer his questions, but they, you know, are not telling him anything at all. Mm-hmm. And it freaks him out. And mm-hmm. he gets more and more weirded out. And, of course, the part about him that really, even when I was younger and I saw it, I was like, how can he be so weird about sex 
at his age. Mm-hmm. What is happening with this man? I mean, people in Great Britain, people in Scotland have sex, okay? Otherwise, they wouldn't be sitting there on their island. They, they, there would be nobody there. So I know that this, I mean, maybe he just had poor luck with the, the ladies. Maybe he was in the closet. We don't know. Um, but he was really, really just so uptight about all mm-hmm. sorts of things. And there's plenty of boobies in the movie, so, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, it is a boobie-full movie. It is, it is. I, I think that's why, uh, you know, uh, Christopher Lee needed to be Lord Summer Isle. <laughs> <laughs> I think that was part of it. <laughs> yes. Yeah, because he could my- very calmly, you know, be in the middle of <laughs> ladies fully naked dancing around him and talk like he was just having a wonderful afternoon to this crazy cop that's just completely losing it about the naked ladies. <laughs> yeah. I think one of my favorite scenes in that movie is when he goes out, he is having a panic and then he goes outside and sees all of the young couples just screwing in the field. Yeah. Yep. Just completely his helmet goes flying off and everything. I just, I love it. It's so funny. <laughs> and it reminds me quite a bit. I, I always think of the uh, Monty Python's A Meaning of Life when they're si- they, like the, the family next door, they're singing the sperm song. And then you yes. have the Protestant couple and like, you're right. Oh, we have two children and we've only had sex or intercourse twice. And I, this reminds me <laughs> well, of that. Well, yes, but we could <laughs> if we wanted to, you know? <laughs> Yeah, that's a good that's a good metaphor there. I like that. And it is funny. It is very very funny. Um now, I was I wasn't as surprised at the ending the first time I saw it simply because of the title. Mm-hmm. Because I knew what the Romans had written about the Druids with what a wicker man is mm-hmm. and that it was supposedly you sacrificed people through it. So, I knew a wicker man was coming up. You know, I knew it was going to, I didn't necessarily know how it was going to go until he just kept, you know, being misdirected and redirected. And he didn't have sense enough to get on the boat and go home. Mm-hmm. Bef- it, and they just seemed to be keeping him there longer and longer and longer and stringing him along. And I was like, oh, I bet I know what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. I and bet I know who's going to go in that wicker cage. <laughs> Especially with and the there plot. he was. We find out he's a virgin. So it's like, yeah, whoa. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's like, oh my. And I think the underlying genius of that movie, I saw it as an adult. I, I didn't experience it until probably my twenties. So I knew I also knew that there was a wicker man coming. But mm-hmm. what surprised me most about that was what surprised me most about the thing, which I also watched kind of later in life. I mm-hmm. was I was kind of expecting like a, a fun romp, and at the beginning, it is. Yes, but it is. As the he gets further and further into the maze of this situation, it what the brilliance of that movie is that it just encroaches upon you, mm-hmm. and it, you don't know that it's happening. It just kind of closes in until things get real weird, and then real fast, real fast, and then at the very end, like even though you know the Wicker Man's coming. 
when they zoom in on his face and they take the cut to this colossal structure and you know what's yeah. going to happen, I could feel my stomach just drop. Yeah. In a way that if 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 uh, listeners subscribe to that genetic memory idea where it's just like you're looking at the scaffold. It's just like whoom, Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and you know it's over. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I definitely felt and that. And what's interesting, even though he's been a complete and utter pain in the butt and <laughs> and really nasty to the people on this island, you know, accusing them of all sorts of stuff, which none of that actually happened until the end. Uh, <laughs> then it happens to him. Even though I disliked him through the whole movie, I felt horrible for him at the end. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that's one of the things that you're supposed to feel. You're not supposed to feel like, yay, they got him. You're not mm-hmm. supposed to feel like, um, well, he deserved it because he was an ass. Mm-hmm. It was more like all the man was doing was his job. Mm-hmm. And, and, and this is what happens. And I think that's that's where the horror is supposed to come in. Because you see him, he's basically an okay guy. He's just judgmental. And then you see everybody else, and they all seem like pretty, you know, cool. Really. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, they have, like, you know, really cool costumes that they put on for their, like, spring festival. And, you know, they have all of the, you know, they have the, the May Queen. And they've got Lord Summer Isle. They got naked ladies dancing. They got, you know, some singing in the pub that ends with lots of having sex and sex in the fields. And everybody's, you know, and everybody's getting along and it's lovely, except for this guy who came from the mainland who's being a pain in the ass. They seem like such nice people until the and end. And, but you still think they're nice people. <laughs> that's the thing what is so eerie about it. Even if you are of, I think everyone who has participated in the pagan community or the paranormal community or anything like that there everyone has had that moment where you're having a great time and you're having fun and like you've met all these new people and isn't this great we have a community and then someone does something really weird like yeah beyond your your bounds of even if you're the weirdest person you know where you're just like oh okay and yeah you get that from the perspective of the policeman when he's looking out of the wicker man on fire and you see them all dancing like jet with like their smiles yep they're the sweetest people alive but they are burning this <laughs> they, dude this alive fire. yeah and uh, along with a bunch of farm animals i feel so bad for the for the animals too yeah yeah the animals actually upset me greatly um, yeah. the first time I saw it. I think I was like 17 the first time mm-hmm. I saw it, maybe, mm-hmm. maybe 19, something like that. Um, I was more, you know, in a lot of ways, I was more upset about the animals because, of course, you know, they have no concept. But then I was like, well, maybe it's, but you know what? They could have slit their throats and then put them in the fire. They didn't have to do that. You know, it's mm-hmm. like just, just you don't have to do it that way the romans didn't do it that way come on i was just about um, to say what the romans would have done <laughs> yeah 
Yeah, because they always, you know, you got to look at the entrails before you set it on fire or you can't figure out what the future holds. So, and that's the other thing that I, I love about this. It's counted as a paranormal movie, but in a way it isn't really. Yeah, there isn't much actual... I don't want to say there's not much actual magic goes in, but it's all ritual. It's all kind of the nuts and bolts of what goes into magic rather than it's a, it's a show rather than a tell because yes. even though they're doing all of these, they don't tell you exactly why they do all of these other strange things that they're up to. They tell you why they have the wicker man and the, the may queen and all that, but right. it's not, it's, it's not quite like, well, I think the other movie that's very much like it now is Midsommar, where they, yes, they do tell you, but they, it, it has both the show and the tell where they do mm -hmm. explain it and they say, oh, well, they, this is why we do this and this is how we live. And while everyone gets more and more horrified, but you don't really get that with the Wicker Man. It's just kind of all these strange things. And as a, I mean, I, I wasn't alive when it came out, so I can't have the perspective of someone who just goes and sees that movie cold, you know, like goes to the theater yeah. because they have nothing else to do. And they're just like, what is this? And that was kind of a lot of people's uh, attitudes at the time when it came out. And then, of course, it became a cult classic because it is actually a good movie. It is mm -hmm. well scripted. It's well acted. Nobody's particularly chewing the scenery too much. I mean, Lord Summer Isle has a little bit of fun with it, but, you know, not too bad. And it's it, what happens is it becomes believable as, as it goes on. And then, you know, you're pulled into it. And, and like you say, at the end, he's looking out of the, the bars of this big wicker cage and he's, you know, the cage is on fire and there are those nice people dancing around him singing. <laughs> and it's like, oh, how can they do this? It's just, and it's such a brilliant shot too. I think I heard, I saw somewhere recently, and I could be wrong about this, but I'm going to go with it. They, that for that particular shot, the very end shot was actually a mistake. Like they did not expect to get the sun going down when it did. And oh. the way they in on it was like, they didn't mean to do that, but it worked. So yeah. in addition to everything else, it, it's people forget that like that type of movie had could only be made on film. So the editing yeah. and just the way that it was filmed, it's cinem cinematographically fantastic as well. So yes, just yes. So it's, it's such a good start to that. The anyone who has asked me about folk horror, I'm like, like watch the Wicker Man. It'll give you an idea. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it really it really puts it succinctly in your head as to what's going on. Because mm -hmm. um, folk horror is generally not up in your face, splattery, smack you around. Mm -hmm. it, it, it's a slow burn that builds up and then you're like, oh, oh, mm -hmm. by the end. Um, that's, uh, that, that is a, a really good introduction. I think the only possible paranormal thing that's in there is when, is it Britt Eklund, who's the busty blonde who sings mm -hmm. the song? Mm -hmm. Didn't she read tarot cards for the cop? 
in the inn? I think so. It's been a and minute. She, I, I'm pretty sure she did, and I'm pretty sure she did it without, you know, setting up the cards first because he came in and she pretty much was like, hey, let me read for you. Mm-hmm. And uh, she she pretty well accurately predicted. Now, she of course, she knew what was going to happen. Mm-hmm. Or maybe she didn't. Maybe everybody wasn't in on it exactly. Mm. That's another thing. You don't know until the end. Maybe some of the people aren't in on it. They just mm-hmm. know how to answer this guy. Mm. Or and- maybe they've done it before over and over. And so, yeah. Or because he's so new and they're used to to sacrificing girls on the island, they didn't really know how to approach it until they realized all the all the pieces were in motion for him to be a virgin and to be alone. Yeah, to be able to just make him disappear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, and as far as the folk horror aspect goes, too, what I like about it most, and this is this has been carried on. This is what I find is most successful with this genre of film that keeps being like, people are starting to get it now. And you mm-hmm. touched upon at the beginning when they're all razzing him, there's such a trickster element just to the film itself. That yes. I love because they just nail how like with the showing, not telling, especially in folklore or in folk magic or in anything that you're doing, like there's going to be weird stuff going on that you're not going to be able to explain. You may never know what it means. And you just kind of have to accept it and keep going. Yes. Yes. The, um, and speaking of that, I love how all of their costumes um, for the end ritual, which they are practicing up to the, the end ritual and off and on, and kids are involved in drawing pictures that have to do with it. It's actually mm-hmm. kind of a complicated movie that way. You just kind of have to pay attention. Mm-hmm. Um, but they have the, the rabbit, you know, the, they dress up as a rabbit, which is the trickster. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they decapitate the rabbit, you know, there's hares, there's rabbits, there's, you know, the green man, there's, mm-hmm. um, the hobby horse. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it, it's, it's beautiful because it looks so beautiful and pastoral and, you want it to be beautiful and pastoral and it is until it isn't. <laughs> and then suddenly you're like, Oh, oh, okay. Yeah. So yeah, that's a, that's a thing. But I think other than that tarot card reading, there's no actual overt understanding of the paranormal or magic as mm-hmm. a thing. We mm-hmm. just, we know they believe in it. But we don't know if it actually works, except that they all seem to be pretty healthy and happy there. So nobody's starving. Yeah. And they're so adamant about making about making this happen, this ritual happen with Mm -hmm. examples of success that he sees framed on the walls and the different personifications of the May Queen. So that's yeah, that's all in there. And then with the I mean, the, the vibe of everyone be dressed in traditional and working class English clothing for the it's, it's the mid seventies. It's yeah. just, 
it just warms my my dear little heart <laughs> to see yeah, I know. that's totally my that's totally my place of comfort so i yeah i love that about it and how in so many ways you can either put yourself in, you can put yourself in the place of the teacher or you can put yourself in the place of the man himself if you or the policeman if you don't know what's going on and in a lot of ways that's us because when I first watched it, I knew what was going on, but the way that they play with the viewer's sense of reality and not even just the reality, but also just what are these people doing is yeah, palpable. So yeah, he's definitely a sympathetic character, especially by the end, even if he's a big dude, like he's a big doofus, but he's not like yeah, mean. But he's not mean. Yeah, yes. that's the thing. He's judgmental and, and bossy and loud but he's not mean mm -hmm. and and that that makes it sad at the end yes okay <laughs> i think we should move on because yes. otherwise we'll never get through our whole list true um so the the next one is actually the one of the ones that morgana chose but mm -hmm. i've seen it and so i can talk about it and it's called dark skies <laughs> and this is a film, it came out in 2013, and it's a really weird film. Like, like you don't expect what starts happening. And they, they don't really market it as the kind of thing that it maybe turns out to be, mm -hmm. or actually turns out to be. But at the beginning, there's all kinds of questions. Um, so... It's a family um, with two kids, a younger son and an older one. Um, dad's unemployed, and so he's, he's kind of uh, hanging out in the house all the time. And uh, the wife is a real estate agent, and they live in the suburbs, and they seem like really nice people. You know, they, they really... This is one of those times when you look at the people involved and you go, man, they didn't ask for this. Mm -hmm. You know, it, it, as it goes on and goes on, it gets weirder and weirder. Now, this one does have paranormal stuff happening. And it mm -hmm. really starts, I think it starts with a bang, but that's because I have a feeling as to what's going on. Um, but I think the first one is... In the night, the like the stuff from the drawers in the kitchen and stuff from cabinets in the dining room gets pulled out and rearranged in these like com complicated hanging from the ceiling moving sculptures. Mm -hmm. Like how how else would you describe it? As it, it's like it's completely impossible. You know, and mm -hmm. it, but it, it's so cool looking. They did a great job with that building on the, because it, it's like Poltergeist, the movie Poltergeist, right. where she turns around and all of the chairs are in a, in a pyramid, the mother. Right. And that is a bit, it's a bit of an update from that in that in Poltergeist, like the dad's all, I think the dad's also a real estate agent now that I think about it. Yeah. He is. And, yeah, and the mom's a stay-at-home mom, but they seem like just a happy, normal family that this thing just happens to. 
And you're right, with the family in turmoil, it's a very, in the young children, it's a very paranormal. Anyone who's, who knows anything about the paranormal and poltergeist is like, oh, they are primed <laughs> to be. Yeah. Yes. And, yeah. And then they have these sculptures with just like impossible fit. Like these things should not be able to fit together the way that they do. But something yeah. has how to do it, which is, you know, scares the hell out of them. And of course, they they check the doors. They check the windows. Everything's locked. Right. Mm -hmm. And so they decide that somebody had to have done it within the house. So mm -hmm. it's one of the kids, both of the kids, or it was the dad, somebody sleepwalked, something, you know, but it's also very obvious to me that neither of the kids could have done it because mm -hmm. they would have made noise. They would have fallen down. Um, and it, it, it came together very quickly. Mm -hmm. um, one of the things I really like about this film is they play with shadows Mm -hmm. they do a, it, it's it's if you've ever seen the original Nosferatu they do that that uh the director Murnau F.W. Mm -hmm. Murnau does that too where yes. you use a shadow to make the horror even worse mm -hmm. and it starts out the shadow play starts out with a very simple thing and it's the the hanging sculpture because it's hanging from the chandelier above and it's wine glasses and bottles and pieces of uh kitchen equipment and it's all hanging there and it's kind of spinning a little bit from the where it's hanging from the chandelier and it casts shadows that look like a um crop circle mm-hmm that was the very first thing I looked at and noticed. And I was like, that looks like a crop circle. And in mm -hmm. fact, I'm pretty sure it's one of the more famous crop circles. Um, but I never did like, you know, go dig it up and make sure. If I was writing about it for film class, I would have looked it up, but I didn't. Um, but that was a, that was a tell for those of us who are in the know. Mm -hmm. about things like that um i think most audiences wouldn't have caught it right and i yeah and i i i kind of i i knew going in because we had talked about it what it was going to be but that didn't matter because the way that the tension builds in that film is so again kind of like the wicker man it's just it sneaks up on you i watched it with mm -hmm. my family and my mother and I, when I watch movies at my parents' house, we all, we, we both have a couch. My dad has his own chair and my mother has a problem with flailing when she's scared. So <laughs> um, <laughs> we learned this when we watched one of the paranormal activity movies and I'll never forget who screamed first something. There was a jump scare and we both screamed and she like clocked me in the ribs. And, oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. <it's> just <laughs> And this time I was surprised at myself because the first time we see what's going on for real, like confirmed, like I knew what it was and I knew what was going to happen. But when she, when the mom is walking around at night, having heard something and she goes into her son's bedroom and sees the tall gray standing over the bed, 
I shrieked like a little girl. And then my mother, like, so I scared my mother. And then she whacked me by accident <laughs> just across the chest with a big thump. And we woke oh. up my dad, who had inevitably fallen asleep. And <laughs> it was absolute chaos at the Burnett house for a moment. And uh, <laughs> yeah, so I was surprised because I'm not usually like it doesn't things don't usually get me that way. But that one did. And it did the same with me. Now, I didn't scream, but I did jump and I was like, oh, oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. And we don't have like scream queen, scream, scream queen screams either. My mother and I like if we're I think they teach, I think Henry Zabrowski talks about it on last podcast a lot where if like he ever gets attacked, he'll be a, a writhing, screaming mess. And that's exactly what my mother and I are just like. <laughs> so it's just it's it was bad. But yeah, the way that that movie builds the tension and it has a similar kind of a, a similar plot structure to Poltergeist, but it does end up in a very different place, which is surprising about it. Yeah. Yeah. Poltergeist almost ends happily compared to this one. Uh, yes. <laughs> you know, it's yes. almost rainbows and sparkles and loveliness. Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, I think the film I would compare it to in a lot of ways is Close Encounters of the Third Kind, which yes. is completely different, but it tells the same story. You know, mm -hmm. it's just from two different perspectives. Um, and Dark Skies, maybe you can tell by the name of it, is not nearly as positive as Close Encounters, and it's not nearly as beautiful. Uh, yes, you do see gray aliens, um, they're better than the ones that are in Communion, the film Communion. The, those were <laughs> those were terrible. Um, they still were a little bit uncanny, but they were terrible. These <laughs> these are creepy, and it, they you know they made sure that the family knew that whatever this force was that was coming into their house and messing with them that this kid was drawing pictures of, that this kid was like, you know, sleepwalking, you know, and going outside at night. Um, it, it, it didn't show it for a long time. Mm -hmm. It didn't actually show them. Mm -hmm. And so instead you just have this, you're like, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. And you know, it's going to happen. Mm -hmm. But the mom wanders around the house in the dark a few times before it happens and nothing mm -hmm. happens the first two times, you know. So then you're like, well, maybe it isn't them. Maybe it's something else. Maybe maybe one of the kids, it's 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 poltergeisty stuff that one of the kids is having because you have a, a teenage kid who's having troubles, mm -hmm. you know. So it's like it's that kid. That's what's happening. He's. He's psychically, you know, putting off energy. It's repeated uh, psychokinesis. That's what it is. Mm -hmm. RPK. That's what it is. That's what it is. And, and then, no, no, it's not. Yeah. You know? No, mm -hmm. no, no. And it really, 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 once you get close to the end and you know what's happening, um, you even have a uh, a sort of John Keelish guy 
in the investigator who tries to help the parents. Mm -hmm. But he basically says, well, I can't really help you uh, Mm -hmm. because they will do whatever they want. And the most realistic answer from a paranormal investigator I've ever seen in a movie. (laughs) Yes. Aside from the one in Paranormal Activity where he shows up like at the second showing after they've riled up the the demon in their house and he's just like, oh no, I can't help you and just leaves. (laughs) Time to go. Too bad I can't stay. I already, I love that. (laughs) I have an appointment with the exorcist right now. Uh, (laughs) Sorry. We're going to lunch. You know, it was nice Mm -hmm. meeting you. Bye. Yeah. That would, that would definitely, yeah. (laughs) Uh, I love the um, character that I always forget that char- that actor's name. He's so good in everything he does, but he he just played and he has a bunch of cats. And he's just I gotta look him up. Mm-hmm. I gotta look him up because it's bugging me. Yep. Um. Do, 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 do. No, not the TV series. No, no, no. Why? While you're looking, um, uh, well, I'll talk about just two movies that it really did remind me of, and I don't, I don't want to give away the ending in case of, because it was so. No. I never heard of this movie until you and Morgana brought it up, and it reminded me a lot of just with the aliens and this tension building. The movie Signs. Which, yes. Say what you will about M Night Shyamalan, I happen to be an M Night Shyamalan apologist. I like a lot of his movies, even the the ones that people think are bad. That's a whole other show. But Signs in particular was just so good at the tension building in that. And like, they're, they're, especially the scene with Joaquin Phoenix watching like the children's birthday party. Like, yes, that scene should not be as scary as it is. And yet it but really it's terrifying. Is. Yeah. And when it, the thing stands on, like he sees the thing standing on the roof. Awful. Yeah. Yeah. Awful. Like, cornfields are scary enough. I don't need to see an alien foot in them. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. That's not... Yeah. (laughs) Um, The actor's name is J.K. Simmons. And he's wonderful. And he's he's wonderful in everything. Yes, and he plays a great paranormal investigator. (laughs) Or... And not even an investigator. Well, he is still an investigator, but, like, he's still... moved specifically to like to investigate i believe but he also he has all these cats around that keep the aliens away yes and that reminded me of a friend of mine who always had a lot of cats because the very first time she saw a ghost was her recently deceased boyfriend and she said it was as if he was standing there Mm. and it terrified it was like three days after he died in a car wreck and he was standing there as if nothing had happened and he was talking to her. So this was her first psychic kind of experience. And she was like, Ricky, you got to go. You can't stay here. You're scaring me, Ricky. You got to go. And her cat woke up and lunged at him growling And so she kept cats around her because she felt like they could see something happening before it happened Mm -hmm. and would scare them away. Mm -hmm. And because I asked her, I was like, I I mean, I know that you love cats, but you know, this is a tiny apartment. Why do you have like seven of them? And she said, I don't want to be without one 
in the room with me, preferably two. And I'm not going to lock them in rooms with me. You know, they're allowed to go back and forth. But with that number and three rooms, there's a there's going to be at least one. And I was like, oh, okay. Why is that? And then she told me, I went, oh, honey, that makes perfect sense. Oh, my God. And it makes me wonder about that apparition of her boyfriend, because like normally with that sort of thing, if a like if a spirit comes back and has to tell someone something after a sudden death like that, animals don't usually react that Uh way. Yeah. Mm, Suspicious. Yeah. That was exactly what I thought. And I was like, are you sure it was Ricky? And she said, you know, it looked exactly like him. I said, oh, but, you know, if he was your boyfriend and was good to you, why would the cat go after him? And if he, if you said, you're scaring me, you need to go. Like. Yeah. And Hmm. and she was like, oh, yeah, maybe it wasn't. Oh, but got to get another cat, you know. (laughs) <laughs> two of them are getting old i got it again <laughs> I don't, I don't, uh, you know i was like so maybe crazy cat ladies that's part of it i don't know mm. um yeah there's a whole yeah there's a whole school of co- thought with crazy cat ladies but i mean the other movie it reminded me of was and it that came out i think around the same time as this was the fourth kind which yes it did come out near that time yeah and it reminded me a lot of that but good God, the fourth kind scared the the bejesus out of me. Like, you know me and owls. So my beloved barn owls and turning them into evil, smiling alien owls was just not, not nice. (laughs) Yeah. That's a, that's an evil movie. (laughs) I agree with you. It's so frightening. And especially as a found footage movie with, which Mm -hmm. again, I love, I love found footage movies, but not everyone, and not everyone does, but the way that they did it was just so well done as far as manipulating footage to make it and, and do presenting it as a reenactment rather than Mm -hmm. a straightforward movie, which like this, like dark skies is very good, but it also, it definitely has that Holly Hollywoodification of especially the mom. I was like, she's like, it was very distracting for me. Just, I know it's 2013, but to have a mother of two boys, one's a teenager, walking around in her white, like her see-through wife beater with her nipples sticking out, like yeah, that was weird. Millions, you know, <laughs> trying to find them. Yeah, I know. I didn't like that either. I yeah. was like, just grab a robe, lady. Come on. Yeah, that's not her, and it's not her fault. It's you know, it's the. <laughs> the direction but i just yeah so there was that but also in the fourth kind they have mia jovovich playing who is you know resident yeah. evil lilu dallas the one of the most gorgeous women in my opinion to ever be on the screen yes and um yeah so there was definitely that element of it but did you have anything else you wanted to say about dark skies uh it, basically y'all should watch it it's yeah. it's really good and it yeah it has the paranormal in it. At the mm-hmm. beginning you do kind of go is it paranormal or yeah. is it not? Is somebody playing games with them? What's happening? And then yeah. you go no this is this is bad. And then you have to figure out well are they going to actually show what it is? And then you know cuz she goes wandering around through the house with her nipples 
um, <laughs> looking at night to see if there's anything there. And then there's never anything there. Mm-hmm. And then finally she walks in and there it is. And you're oh, yep. They're going to show it. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> and-, and it does. Especially for me, I what struck me about it a lot was how it plays with a lot of the different tropes. I mean, we've been referencing like some of the oldest ones in the book, Poltergeist. Um, I mean, and newer movies as well. It reminded it came out also around the time of Insidious. So it has a yes. lot of element to it as well. And for what presents itself very much as a generic Hollywood horror film. It really did surprise me in a lot of ways, which doesn't happen a lot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I expected it to be pretty predictable. Mm. And it really wasn't terribly predictable. Mm-hmm. You know, every time I thought I knew what was happening, something else happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, okay, yes, so just... the next one is one of yours. So you can introduce it. I just watched it today. Um, so as you say, it's all fresh in my mind. Mm. So. so we're getting a, as far away from Hollywood probably as we can get with this one. It's it's definitely a cult favorite because for so long you had to, it wasn't available streaming anywhere. You ha- If you wanted it, you had to get a print from, you had to have an all region Blu-ray or DVD player so you could get a European print. It did come out on DVD recently for Region A, but it is now on Shudder, and it is called Possession. And it's a movie, I'm so glad that it's being put out on a wider scale now, because so few people have seen it or even know about it. And even when I saw it, I had to get a bootleg download from someone. Yeah, And... It's just such a, a anomaly of a movie, in my opinion. But as someone who just watched it, like, how would you describe it to someone? Just like in two sentences. Okay, okay, in a few sentences. Okay, <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, it's it is a horror movie, mm-hmm. um, and you could classify it as a psychological horror movie. Um, because for most of it, it is, and it's a horror, a psychological horror movie about the breakup of a marriage. That is the simplest way to tell it, but that's not just what it is. But for the first talk about a slow burn this, but I wasn't bored at all. It just, it was a slow pace. And for a while you're just like, well, you know, it seems like they might be a little bit, I mean, they're really upset about like, you know, breaking up, but you know, they really should just like call their therapist, maybe get some medication, dude's manic, something's ha you know, and, and you, you, you do get worried about them. Neither of them comes across as monstrous until mm-hmm. a little bit later. And then it, it just, there's just so much in there. Mm-hmm. There is just so much in there. All of the actors are really good. Mm-hmm. Like, and once again, we have a little boy and, and a child actor. And I know that he probably didn't know how horrific this movie is because most of the true horror, he is nowhere near mm-hmm. the screen anywhere. He's he's busy someplace else. Yeah, um, we 
is a strength of the movie. I mean, we we have all these. We there are very. It's great to have strong child actors and strong child characters, but there is no place in the in that movie for a child's participation beyond what that child had. So he's kind of oh, just yeah. like he's kind of a prop in a way or a a, a plot device sort of. Yeah, but yeah, there's just no room for him. <laughs> Otherwise, yeah. So yeah, so um, the actors we're talking about are Sam Neill and Isabella Johnny who are, their marriage is falling apart. Sam Neill has a job that keeps him away often. And when we arrive in it, it's a very European movie in that they're already separated. Like she's all, she showed, he's like, he shows up from his trip and she's like, what are you doing here? And he's said, I thought you wanted me back, you, me to come home. And she says, I still have to think. And then turns around and walks away. So yeah, we're doesn't already, even help him with his bags. No, no. And as we get further, further and into this marriage, you find out like neither of these characters are at all sympathetic. Like yeah. something's definitely going on. Like he's he's manic depressed. Like he becomes manic depressive as she leaves him and just kind of disappears. But it's be and she find and he finds out that she's sleeping with another man and she's staying with him. And so it really does play out for, it's a fairly long movie. So like definitely settle in because yeah. you're right. It slow burns into from a family trauma drama into something entirely different because Sam Neill finds out what Isabella Johnny has been up to when he meets, he does meet the lover and then the lover doesn't know where she is either. Yeah. And like there's every time I watch it's the type of movie where every time I watch it I have a different theory about like what <laughs> it was supposed to be and it's such a it's such an artifact in that it's filmed in we couldn't decide whether it was East or West Berlin but it's right on the edge of the Berlin Wall. Right. And that in itself is just such a tense environment and a very symbolic environment in the same way that Suspiria was. But of yes. course, Suspiria is, is its own, its own thing, its own world, but it does create that sense of enclosure. And division. And, yes. And as this movie goes on, it just gets tight. Like, like the other movies we've been talking about, it just gets tighter and tighter and tighter until like, it doesn't, it doesn't exactly explode, but you know, like it takes you a while to get there and it just draws you in until you can't get out. Yeah. And, uh, and you keep watching it because you want to know what in God's name is happening here. Mm -hmm. You, you really do. I mean, that curiosity is always my greatest flaw, always gets mm -hmm. me in trouble. And it did mm -hmm. with this movie because I totally didn't expect the things that happened. Um, you know, first off, it, it, it was filmed in 1981. So it had that 1970s European feel to it. So if you've watched any classic films from Germany or France or even England from the 70s, it, you know what it's going to look like. Mm -hmm. It's very gray. It's very monochromatic. 
very dimly lit. And then you get these spots of color that happen. And then it, it really impacts you. It also does things with innocent um, kitchen utensils <laughs> that really amp up the, the just the, oh, no, the dread. Mm-hmm. And you're just like, oh, no, no, no. And for it, it, by the time, you know, I'm sitting there going, oh, no, no. It's, a, it's an electric knife, which I always hate those anyway. And a regular meat grinder, but it's an electric one. So by the time something happens, I've already decided that they're not going to do it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I have already calmed myself and gone, nah, they're just doing that to scare mm-hmm. you. They're not, oh, no, you know. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and then you get the bright colors. Yes. Um and it's it's such a strange film in some ways. Like the wife's best friend hates her husband and the husband hates her back. And yet when she's taking care of their son and both of them are out wandering around trying to find each other and find out what each other's doing in what, you know, realm. Um, he comes home and the kid's in bed and the best friend has fallen asleep on the guest bed. And he very nicely covers her, you know, for a second, I'm like, Oh God. Cause they had already said, you know, I loathe you. You know, I can't stand the sight of you. I mean, literally they just say that mm-hmm. and he just covers her up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then yeah. leaves and I'm like and he actually looks kind of like a normal nice person there mm-hmm. yeah and what I want to say about Sam Neill is he can scare me with just a look yes and yeah I mean I love I love Sam Neill always have and he another movie that he did around this time that is similar in the scary looks is the omen three did you ever see that i never saw that one it's not bad i mean you have to really love sam neil and you have to really be into the series he does a great job as an adult damien and there's a scene in particular where he's on a fo- he's uh because he's a ambassador he's well he's english in this movie but he there's a fox hunt where he sicks a pack of hounds on a uh, renegade warrior monk who's trying to kill him because he knows he's the Antichrist. Okay. And there's, it's just, it's an excellent that, scene. That, that sounds like a cool scene. Yeah, it's, it's it, a he's very young in this, too. Yes. Mm-hmm. And the other thing that got me is he looks like Dan Stevens from uh, Downton Abbey. Yeah, and... and, uh, and- shocked I never made that connection before you said it because <laughs> um, but yeah it's a very it is it's a hard movie to discuss I wish I, ho- I want everyone to watch it especially if you're listening to this because it's I mean not if you're if you can't handle body horror if we, yeah, if we can't handle body horror this is not for you but it the way that it takes a turn and this is where it, it started. I mean, it's already weird. Like when you're in it and you were saying at the ver- toward the very beginning, you can really tell if you've ever dealt with someone with mental illness, if you have mental illness yourself, all the mar- markers are there where it's just like both. Very are- well done too. Not 
overly done, but well done. And we were talking before today, an essay just came out that Sam Neill reposted on his Instagram. Someone wrote about how it's the first depiction in film of how he felt as a non-catatonic manic depressive, which in 1983 is extraordinary to have on film. And it wouldn't have happened in Hollywood. It had to be. No. I think the director is at, is he's either German or Polish, but he's he didn't Polish. make Pol Yeah, and he didn't make many films after this, if any. So he that's he he went on to make a few. Okay. Um, but he had to leave Poland to make films. Um, yes. Because of course that was behind the Iron Curtain at the time. Mm -hmm. So he went to Germany and West Germany and made films in Europe. Um. It, it, yeah, you're right. It, I've never seen a Hollywood film from that time period that could compare to that for showing what um, extreme mental illness can look like. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and, and that messed me up because I thought, oh, well, there's not really paranormal things happening in here at all. It's just, it's just people are really, really... Mess like I said, you know. Hey guys, please just call your therapists. Um, mm -hmm. and you know, you got you've got a, a an emergency here. You got a medical emergency. You need to call your therapists. It's Germany, so there's there's got to be some because that's where therapy happened and started. So come on now, please. And I really thought that's what it was going to be, and then it wasn't. And then I said, well, maybe this is just the psychotic understanding of one person that, that this is all in her mind and mm -hmm. it's not really you know happen no that's not it either <laughs> no um, yeah and i mean it takes a turn it takes a very hard left turn i mean you're already veering towards the left through the beginning but the i mean isabel aljani as well is you can tell very mentally ill as they they both are but right at the point where you're thinking that's all it is, even up to the very minute, is the miscarriage scene. Yep. Yep. In the, which is about, I think it's about three minutes long, and it is... It's really long. Absolutely excruciating. And you think that's, you know, you think you're ha she's having a psychotic breakdown, and, but she is but she is also expectorating something. Yes. And through the rest of the movie, I don't want to give too, too much away because I want people to go watch it, but that's where it really gets strange. And I've, I've had so many like theories about this movie just kind of bouncing around in my head because it's got, it's got everything. It has doppelgangers. It's got... <laughs> Har, it's got feminist perspective it's you know it has all that and the way that i was watching it before is like it really is a commentary on motherhood at, in the most extreme way where you have isabella johnny who she's got sam neil she's got her kid and this is what she's supposed to want right but you find out she has this whole different life and she has this whole like everything bubbling up inside her even when she like when she's having the 
psychotic breakdown miscarriage when she's smashing her shopping and her eggs all over the place. It's, it's like a performance art scene. And nothing, on that point, nothing distills that for me in the, for the movie besides the posters of the movie. So the original, yes. yeah, the original is that really beautiful, um, I forget the name of the artist, but he was a, a famous European po um, poster artist who died recently. And it just shows like the upper torso of a woman with her head thrown back and it's painted with a snake coming down. And like, I think it's biting her breast. But then the American release of it was like, turn. it looked like a cover of Hustler. It had like this woman. Yeah her back to the camera and it just like like just a little bit of bum crack and it it's completely different than i feel bad for whoever went to that thinking they were gonna see a, a sexy nudie film and got possession yeah, no it's like no. whoever took their date out on their first date out to see black swan because it's a girl's movie <laughs> no. i mean it is but maybe not in it way is but yeah <laughs> <laughs> but that and uh but watching it recently i did get a lot more of like jesus and mary type of symbolism than i have yeah and this will all make sense for whoever decides to go and watch it yeah it's worth watching definitely yes. um yes. although i did yell at the screen a few times you know <laughs> because oh, yeah. i was like no, no, it doesn't have to go this badly, y'all. It doesn't have to. <laughs> yes. Um, cuz the you know, even the even the lover in the film, her lover shows up at one point to try to talk to Sam Neill, and first off, he's a very touchy man. And, you know, he's got his hands on either side of Sam Neill's face. I'm like, "Are you going to kiss him, dude? Is this is are we is I mean, that's fine with me. It's not going to bother me, but it might bother Sam Neill. I don't know. His character's pretty <laughs> on the edge, dude. So maybe you shouldn't. And then, you know, the next time you see the man, he's he's starting to go a little bit psycho. Mm -hmm. And you're like, dude, somebody here has to have a doctor. Y'all, please stop. Mm -hmm. It doesn't have to go bad. It doesn't, mm -hmm. but it does. It does. And even if they did, I don't know what the therapist would do at, at that point, you know? <laughs> at, at, I know, right? Uh, yeah, oh my God, her boyfriend in that movie, he's like, he's everything people, like, I don't, I don't like digging on Americans because everyone does it. We don't need to do it to ourselves. But he's everything that like your average, you know, middle-class American dad would think of a European if they had never met one. Yeah, like this, just very like yep. fluid, open silk shirt, but still like com it completely manicured and immaculate, suave man who lives with his mother. Yes, yes, and enjoys it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> but you're right. It it is. He is kind of a stereotype walking around of of a metrosexual, mm -hmm. um, Euro metrosexual not american no definitely not and yeah I, and then you have sam neil the stiff yeah <laughs> no that is a really good movie um it again i don't know what to tell you except your expectations as you go along are going to change 
and then you're still going to be going, what the hell happened here? Mm-hmm. And oh my God, what is, what is, and there is definitely paranormal stuff happening mm-hmm. because yeah, part of it, you just, <laughs> that's just not part of our reality. So mm-hmm. thank God. Yes. And I'm hoping um, with also, the- uh, only adults need to watch this. Yes, I've, I've, I'm glad I, I'm glad I wanted to mention that to you because I know that Fox, like, Fox is he. <laughs> he heard the screaming. I wasn't gonna let him watch it, no. uh, but he heard screaming from the other. Room. He said, "Mom, what are you watching?" <laughs> like it's a horror film. They're supposed to be screaming, honey. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. and he's like, "Okay, I'm not gonna." Do-. I'm like, "No, you're not." No. We're not going to go there. Yeah, even if you have a particularly precocious teenager or something, I, I would I would advise against. <laughs> yeah. Just for, for their, their brains, especially if they're still, like, if they're adolescents and they're still discovering their sexuality. Don't cross the streams on this one. Just wait. No. Yeah, that's a... <laughs> That's definitely how I feel about it. And really, if you if body horror squicks you, don't even try. Mm-hmm. I because I, I'm on the edge of being unable to watch body horror, but mm-hmm. I made it. But that doesn't mean that everybody can. So if you're on the edge of it, just you know maybe look it up at Wikipedia so you get an idea, mm-hmm. and then decide. Yeah, but my my meter is if you can handle like extreme Cronenberg like if you can handle Crash you can handle Dead Ringers and I mean The Brood is a little bit is is uh yeah if you can handle those three then you can handle Possession if you can't do not yes yes (sighs) so yeah and Cronenberg is actually what came to mind for me I was like Mm -hmm. I thought Cronenberg was the one that blew my mind but nope 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 this director beats him out for me i was like oh so yep that's pretty amazing and it does start out so banal and like just you know these people are having trouble oh that's sad so this is gonna be a psychodrama oh no it's not oh okay all right yeah so oh sorry Go ahead. Go ahead. It, it, yeah, it just plays with so many genres in a way that I have not seen in a film since. It's, yeah. it's really extraordinary. I, I hope that with its wide release via Shutter and Shutter, not a sponsor, but we love it. It's great. Yeah, I, it, it's so good for so many things. Um, yeah, it, with its wide release, I really hope it receives more critical attention from horror people and from film people writ large because it really has not received much attention in that like academic or scholarly attention in that way which is a shame it's always been the missing piece for me in like it even for shutter like they had their they redid 100 their 100 scariest movie moments or something and like there there was no mention of shutter there was no mention of possession anywhere and that that keeps happening it drives me crazy so now now people will know secrets out yeah definitely and uh the other thing i was gonna say was uh it it's just uh, maybe maybe don't watch it when you're alone in the house or anything like that yeah if you have (laughs) issues if you have issues with anxiety 
depression. <laughs> yeah. It sounds like we're, we're giving a, a pharmacy side effects. Um, yeah, I know, right? <laughs> Ask your doctor. your doctor before watching possession. <laughs> well, ask your doctor if possession is right for you. Yeah, okay. Well, now that now that we've horrified people and uh, hopefully gotten other people interested, mm-hmm. there is a film that you can watch with your kid. Yes, and it's we're gonna we're gonna come at that one next. Mm-hmm. And it's called Paranorman. <laughs> and I did not think I would love this movie as much as I do. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought it was just another silly animation for kids. Um, it didn't look like it was going to be of the quality that I tend to like. Because I do love animation. And I, I watch kids' movies shamelessly. I have no shame. I will watch it. I don't care. But only if it's really good. Um, the you know, like I, I'm not that fond of Hotel Transylvania. Um, and, you know, stuff like that. That's just really geared towards kids. I like stuff that has some adult stuff happening in there. Mm-hmm. And paranormal is or paranorman is one of them. And yes, it has the paranormal in it, not just in the title. Um, it's about a boy who can see ghosts and interact with ghosts. And it's a really, it, it goes in so many places and you think, oh man, you know, this kid gets bullied and, you know, he has one friend who also gets bullied and his parents don't understand him and kind of poop on him. You know, the, the dad, especially the dad's kind of a, a, a douche. I I just didn't like him. Um, Mm -hmm. and you know, he has a sister who is very, very shallow and she picks on him for being, you know, a nerd. Um, but by the end, the whole family comes together and it's kind of like Bob's burgers in that way. You look at Bob's burgers and you think, Oh my God, these people are all horrible. You know, the kids are terrible. The parents are not great. But what comes about is they all love each other and they stand by each other. And that's actually how it happens in this movie. Mm-hmm. But, uh, oh, and, and the grandmother is super cool as well. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah, that was fun. <laughs> yeah. And, and Norman loves to watch monster movies and horror movies. So he's one of us. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's always watching horror movies with his grandmother. And that's really cool. And I really love it. Um, but the basic plot is, is there is a ghost in the town, which is a town known for having killed witches. So it's like Salem, but it isn't Salem. And their whole tourist thing is about witches and killing witches. So... It's it's got it's kitschy stuff, you know, and that's what it is. That's their history, and they celebrate it, and uh, that's interesting. But it, you know, I digress. Um, but the the bullies in in the school are particularly awful, um, and then you find out that there's all of that. There's supposedly a curse, and then you find out what happens when the curse actually happens 
and you go, oh, no, it's not just a story. It's a real thing. Mm-hmm. So it's, a, it's an adventure. Um, there's lots of ghosts, lots of zombies, um, lots of adults not knowing what the heck to do. Um, there's a football player who's the popular kid in school who Norman's sister throws herself at him and it turns out he's gay and then they they just end up being best friends (laughs) (laughs) which is fine you know and 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 at first she's taken aback but no then they become friends that's that's basically the story without telling you the operative parts of the story Mm -hmm. um and it very much has the like i said there's ghosts everywhere Norman walks to school and says hi to the ghosts along the way, which is really cute. It was such a charming movie that I, again, I I don't really watch children's movies often just because I'm not really around children that often. So I was, I completely missed this one. I haven't seen Hotel Transylvania. I don't, I think the most recent thing I watched, I won't, I probably won't. um, That was even close to it was the Wednesday series, which was fine. Yes. It was fine. Yeah, it was fun. Yeah. And um, but this in particular, I it's a, a movie I wish I had had when I was growing up because mm-hmm. the way that they approach this kid with abilities. Yeah, he's ostracized. He's bullied. He even the one friend he has, he tries to push away because he's like, no, I'm too weird for you, man. Like, you'll just go yeah. anyway. And then uh, I love his friend. His friend's so cute. And when he and he gains his friend by using his power in in a very sad but cute way and what i really enjoyed about it too was the way that they take the scary things and make them not so scary in that it teaches people to or the the viewers who are i would assume our children are teaching them like the like the Puritan zombies, which for me was just like. Primo awesome. <laughs> I was just like, <laughs> having grown up in New England and in Salem, it, it was very much like in uh, the, in Scooby-Doo and the Witch's Ghost, that <laughs> problematic <laughs> classic. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Where they have O'Caven and the fake Stephen King, t- uh, Tim Curry character. We'll talk about yeah. We'll talk about that at some other time, but this this just kind of fake Salem where I think I think about this often being in history and having the experiences that I do where I just can't imagine actual pure like the, the Puritans of New England showing up, like just being dropped into where they settled now. So many places <laughs> they wouldn't like I can't imagine can't even imagine and they do a really good job of showing like how they how those people would react and then with the conceptualization of the witch herself which again we shouldn't i don't want to spoil it in case people want to go watch it but the way that norman sees the ghosts and the way that he learns to empathize with this witch and how she reconciles ultimately with herself is just so yes. it was so well done and it, it's a very there's scary parts especially for little little kids mm-hmm. but 
very gentle movie otherwise while still getting the point yeah and it's funny there's mm -hmm. parts of it that are just bloody hilarious yeah yeah great timing great writing they it, they really did a good job yeah and there are callbacks to uh scooby-doo of course mm -hmm. because there's a van and there's the football player with the blonde hair uh, so there he is <laughs> yeah um and it's just so much fun it's and yeah. it, it's worth watching um and I, i've seen it like three or four times now because every time i've you know i saw it in the in the movie theater because fox was too little and was too timid to see it mm. but Zach and I wanted to know. So we went to see it. We liked it. And then I had to take Morgana. And then finally we got to watch it with Fox and Morgana at home. And then we watched it again, Fox and I together this past summer. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's, and you pick up little things every time you watch it that you didn't quite catch the first time. So it's mm -hmm. definitely worthwhile. And I have to wonder too, as far as, my going back to my experience with the shining i'm not sure if i'll have my kids watch the shining at age seven or eight not mm, sure yeah yeah probably not but the contrast of that being with something like paranorman where yeah he find he's the weirdo at the beginning and by the end he's still the weirdo but he's been accepted and people understand it and just the way that this movie as an animated film can conceptualize what a young child with abilities would see, like just walking down the street and seeing ghosts everywhere. I really have to wonder how many children coming up now who grew up with Paranorman and who see Paranorman are going to embrace their gifts more because they aren't afraid of them because growing up i was terrified of the things that i saw like it took me a really long time to both accept them and not be afraid of them because my only media interaction with them was scary things yeah and like i've had to do a lot of wall tearing down that i just did instinctively to to keep myself sane because of all the stuff i was seeing and there's still a lot of work to be done in that arena so i i really this whole positive paranormal thing and i was just talking with a friend of, about this recently seeing you know the gang of there was a really cute little cartoon i saw on instagram of like cartoon mothman cartoon bigfoot the fresno nightwalkers and the um the Flatwoods monster and they're all together. And it just said, it said on the bottom, you can sit with us. And I was like, Oh, that's <laughs> so cute. So cute. I was just like, wow. Like it, it's very nice now that there's more of a, an accepting community around it to kind to build people. Not, you don't even need to have special abilities or um, gifts or, perceptions like if you're just interested in the paranormal it's it seems like it's so much easier now for people to get into it in a safe friendly way because they can yeah. find others who are interested so i'm really interested to see like what comes out of the generation that grew up with movies like paranorman or with wednesday because i didn't have it and i'm and i'm not even that old like 
Yeah. And then you come over to me and I am that old. And <laughs> there was, you know, nothing. I I I I learned it the hard way. I I watched the Universal Monster movies. Mm-hmm. Uh so, you know, classics. Um, and, uh, my mom gave me in fourth grade Edgar Allan Poe's Tales of Terror. And, uh, oh, and my dad watched, uh, um, World War II documentaries that Mm. had, you know, lots of, you know, footage from terrible places like concentration camps. And Mm -hmm. so I'm kind of hardcore, right? Yeah. (laughs) And then people wonder why, why is she, why does she have nightmares on night terrors? I don't know. (laughs) It's funny. Paranorman was the first zombie movie I've watched in a really long time because Mm -hmm. in loving horror, my dad loves zombie films. So I have seen, I've seen all of them. I've seen so many zombie movies, but I would have, that's the only thing I would have horribly intense zombie nightmares all the way through adulthood. And finally, when it came to, it was, it was a combination of quarantine and like just being stuck in the house and all that, that we were watching the original George Romero's The Crazies. Uh So we watched that. And then my dad, my dad's always like creature double feature. And so we turned on the original uh, Dawn of the Dead. And the scene where the the girl is trapped in the room, the storage room with the zombie Harry Krishna. Yes. I was, I was done. I was like, I can't watch this anymore. And I haven't watched zombie movies since. And my nightmares have gone way down. <laughs> well, there you go. There you go. <laughs> so that's that's become my my nope is zombies. Because you need something. Something needs to break. But I definitely I understand what you mean as far as like I was, I think I may be the last, or very close to it, the last generation of kids who just got in that one section of the Dewey Decimal System in the library and went to town because that yeah. was that was so much of my childhood was just that one aisle. <laughs> yep, me too. <laughs> and I mean, when you're let let loose on that, we didn't. I, I mean, I have I probably read many of the same books you did because growing up in like the '90s and the early 2000s, it was still hard to get those mm-hmm. books and left was like stuff from the 60s like 60s through the 80s is what we we all came up on and it's just like like maybe kids aren't doing the hard research now but they can they don't have to be thrown in the deep end and that's yeah (laughs) yeah and they don't necessarily have to you know suddenly start seeing ghosts and not know who to talk about it Mm -hmm. you know with you know they 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 have yeah, I mean, the internet is fraught with danger for, you know, children, young adults and, and people, but still, there's there's good uh, in the ability to reach out to somebody mm-hmm. and say, hey, this thing happened. Why did it happen? You know, mm-hmm. and and that's that's valuable. Very much so. And I think, yeah, there are the there's definitely the evils of the internet and all that, but I think there's so much, there are so many people, especially like in podcasts now. I mean, you have people like, like Tim Renner and um, even to the extent, the, uh, the Sasquatch Chronicles and your podcast. I think there are enough responsible, paranormal loving and weird stuff, loving adults that 
if like and because we are a community if like if you see some someone doing something weird like other like there'll be three adults who are on them in a second yeah i see it all the time and it gives me such hope because it's like no yes. no no do not like just just form a circle around the child and usher them away. Yes, and yes. it happens more often than not. Yeah, and and I appreciate that mm. very greatly because that you know that's another thing we didn't really have. We didn't know who we could talk to. Mm -hmm. You know, I talked to my librarian. She was my safe space lady that I could talk to, and she was very non-judgmental. Mm -hmm. So that was helpful. But yes. most people didn't have that. Yeah. Yeah. God bless. Yeah. My, God bless the librarians of the Townsend Public Library. A lot of them are still there. And yeah, just the nicest ladies who, especially in the children's library, because they had the scariest, the scary stories to tell in the dark books. Those, oh, those, those are great. Oh, those sweet children's librarians. They put up with so much of my BS, but they had a great, <laughs> um, <laughs> they had a great uh, paranormal selection for children's books, surprisingly. Yeah. It was just meant to happen. And uh, yeah, so moving on, what's our, our next movie? Because I, I our think- Our last has... one, our very last one is The Others. Ah, yes, so it does tie in with children and the mm -hmm. power. It sure does. Mm -hmm. It's like we planned it. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that, that's, this is, it's another movie that is very much my core of horror. I love the others i do too mm -hmm. yeah we yeah. both picked the others mm -hmm. to, when we when we planned this this episode because yeah we both picked the others and we both picked the wicker man mm -hmm. <laughs> so, <laughs> <It's> telling <laughs> uh, yeah um the others is one of i think it's one of the best haunted house movies um, there's a few others that are really, really good. Most of them are early films. Mm -hmm. This one is is just beautifully done. Mm -hmm. And Nicole Kidman is amazing as the mother in the film. Mm -hmm. Who is taking care of two little kids and is alone. Mm -hmm. And two two sick little kids with a very rare disease where they yes, can't they ca be in light. <laughs> yes, that's right. I forgot that little detail. Yeah. It's so one of those movies that leads you along mm -hmm. and then, and you're going, Oh, okay. Yeah. I know what's going to, Oh, I know what's happening. Okay. And no, I don't. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yes. And it's just so it, it's, it's another movie that, I mean, you have the, the creepy little kids, you have creepy little kids drawings, you have in home, home intruders, you, just, you have a mentally unstable mother. It's, it's another one of those that has many of the same, like similar elements. I won't call it, you know, not so much tropes because when this movie was made, this was like the early 2000s. So that yeah. was, it was before a lot of those tropes kind of came about. And it's just, it is, it's just such a beautifully filmed movie. It's very English Gothic. It, what, what it, um, I know they took a lot of inspiration from the innocence yes. after turning of the screw. And that's that you can definitely see that in this. Yes. 
which is another fantastic f- film and and story. It's I think that's the only uh, I've I've read a lot of Henry James, and that's the only one I've read more than once because it's short. <laughs> yes, yeah, he's wordy. He's very he's very talkative. <laughs> lots yes. of lots of yeah expositiony. Very atmospheric though. He does well with the atmosphere, but yeah, yes, very his talky. Yeah, his descriptions are fantastic, but um, the yeah, and, and it also harkens back a lot because it, it is, I, I believe it was an American production. I think it was Miramax, but it's very, it reminds me quite a bit of the English, like pre hammer horror English Gothic movies. Yeah. Yeah. yeah as, as well as the stories of like M.R. James and that mm-hmm. sort of school of thought. And it's a pre um, or it's a post-World War II movie where they, they Nicole Kidman and her children live in this big manor, completely cut off from the outside world. And then all of a sudden, they get three people coming up to that have not only are here to take care of the place and offer their services, but have been to this house before and worked yeah. there before. And it's it's just, it has so many great elements of mystery and really just suspense. It, that's, that it's so, it's such a like jaw clenching movie. Even now when I watch it and I've seen it a hundred times, I'm just like, I find myself curled up in a little ball watching. Yeah, it's tense. It's very mm-hmm. tense. Um, one of my favorite actors is also in it, um, Chris Eccleston. Um, and he's her husband mm-hmm. and he shows up and they're on one of the uh, channel islands that were occupied during the war. Mm-hmm. So it's either Guernsey or Jersey. I don't remember which one, um, but they were occupied by the Nazis and mm-hmm. the people who lived there lived under Nazi rule. And it was, it was bad Um, so that's part of the tension as well. Mm -hmm. And then, yes, you have, you have home invasions happening, noises, pianos playing when no one's there to play them. Um, you know, strange footsteps right outside the door and you open the door and nobody's there. And... Nicole Kidman is trying to protect her children. Once you realize that that she's where where they're living, then you can get the paranoia because she's worried about an actual invasion of soldiers from another country. And so her extreme paranoia, her extreme fear, then it makes sense. Mm-hmm. And yeah. then her husband, the soldier, shows up and then there are questions Mm -hmm. and we don't want to go too far because we don't want to spoil it. If you haven't seen it. Yes, absolutely. If you haven't seen it, it's definitely as far as watching it with children goes, because there are children in it. Mm -hmm. And I mean, that doesn't qualify it as immediately as a children, a children's film, but in contrast to something like possession or, even The Shining to an extent, I'd say. I mean, Danny is definitely a character, but the two children in The Others, fantastic children, child actors, they 
are fully fleshed out characters, which yeah. you don't get very often in ch children's acting, especially at that time. Yeah. And it also, it, it has, yeah, it has a lot of the qualities of the older films of that time. It, it reminds me also quite a bit of Night of the Hunter in just how, like the, how dreamy it gets at some points. Yes. Night of the Hunter is a fantastic film. It is. It is. And that's, that's one where include I'd include it in this. If you have, I'd say a precocious child, because there's nothing in it. It's tense and you don't have things. It's not a jump scare movie and it doesn't have anything like there, there's no gore. There's no, no, nothing like that. There's nothing that would like traumatize a child, but it's kind of a beginner's art film in the same way that Night of the Hunter is in that, like, I would show a precocious child that if, like, I knew they could handle it and not have nightmares. Right. Because it is, it's clean and it's well done and it's tight. And it does, it, it leads to a lot of questions. I remember when I saw it, I saw it when it came, not when it came out in theaters, but shortly after. And I was still pretty young at that point, but it was the first, I mean, I was still, it was still how I was kind of conceptualizing my vocabulary of trying to tell people what I was seeing. Mm -hmm. And because I would get a lot of situations like that, where I would have something blow by me, or I would, or something would move and I would have to explain what I saw. And that was a type of movie that really helped me to do that. Yeah, it gives you a vocabulary. Mm -hmm. um, to explain your experiences. It's, it's also just so beautiful mm -hmm. and claustrophobic. So they're in this huge house, right? But they really only live in a few rooms of this huge house. Mm -hmm. And it just, the, their living space just gets tighter and tighter and they have the, the window shades drawn and the curtains closed all the time. And sh and the mother will freak out if sunlight comes in because of the children's illness, mm -hmm. um, which is never truly explained, but then later you figure it out. Um, mm -hmm. And, and so she just, she, she just shrinks their world down smaller and smaller and you really feel for the kids. You really feel for the mom. And it's 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 also physically just beautiful to look at. Mm -hmm. Yes, it's the claustrophobia. There, it, that's another theme in the movies for the most part that we've picked, which is funny. Yeah, it we, is. The noose just tightens, and yeah, it's there. It's such a highly regimented way of life that she's set up for them like locking not only does she close the doors behind them everywhere they go she locks them and mm -hmm. it's just like, there's just so much in that it's it's a one of those movies that every time you watch it again you see something else and it just gets packed in yeah the sound of the rattle of the keys mm -hmm. that she carries mm -hmm. is and because of course it's the big old-fashioned keys mm -hmm. and it's just uh Oh yeah, and the furniture with the sheets. Yep. Yeah, there's She's... a lot of Trump there yeah. Uh uh yeah, there's a <laughs> lot with that. And there it plays with your mind as well, that movie, because you don't know what you're seeing half the time. Mm -hmm. So you 
question it. And so as, as the characters are questioning it, it's right. also educational for young weirdos because that was the first time I ever learned about the, um, the memorial photos. What are they called? Uh, the, the photos in Victorian days when they took of the dead. Yeah. The postmortems. I, my, yeah. My postmortem or memorials. Yes. And I had never known about those. I have since seen many. I've sold them. I've <laughs> brokered them. I don't like them. <laughs> yeah. They're, they're, they're something else. I uh, understand. Uh, uh, I get it. I understand the concept, but that's just not, not my, my field of collecting. Yeah. No, no. Um, and there's also the, the invisible mother photographs where the living <laughs> child is sitting supposedly on a chair by themselves, but really the mother is in the chair with a sheet over her mm -hmm. holding the child. That is a messed up <laughs> that, that one bothers me almost as much as the postmortem ones. Mm -hmm. um, I think because it's just a little bit, just why don't you just have the mom sit there and hold the baby and just take the picture? Why do you have to put her under this shroud? What, what, what is the logic here? There isn't any. I don't understand it. Maybe they just wanted the baby and the mother didn't want to be in the photo. Maybe, but it, it's kind of a whole genre of mm. photography. So who knows? Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. My, mine is, I mean, I don't like, I'm along with zombies, my, my embarrassing fear because I deal, I deal with so many macabre things. Like I have friends who work for cemeteries and people who collect human bones and different things. And my thing is wet specimens and dead bodies. I can't handle. Yeah. So, yeah, the the uh, postmortems are right out to begin with, but what gets me the most is when you get the postmortems with a living person in them too, like they're posing with the body. Yeah, or a series of people in it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, and that's something I have to reconcile with my whole because I'm I'm very death positive, and I'm working on it. <laughs> But I can't, like, being cl that close to a corpse would be a, n a no for me. <laughs> I think the difference is, of course, is they had funerals at home and mm -hmm. they were more in touch with death as a reality and mm -hmm. an, a, a thing that was dealt with at home than we are. And, and so far be it for me to ridicule you for having that feeling because it, it's it's considered fairly normal in our culture to be squicked out by mm -hmm. that. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. And it's, I, I conceptually, it's a thing I know of and I, I support like, I, I know Caitlin Doty, she supports the idea of people having burial or having wakes at home. And I do too. And like washing the body and spending time with the body. I fainted in, my high school uh, biology class because I had already cut through the, the breastbone of a frog. And then some people had the fatal pig. And the last thing I remember is one of my classmates asking the teacher if they could open the pig's skull and look at its brains. And I hit the floor. Yep. Okay. Yeah. You don't, <laughs> mm. 
Healthcare is not the 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 uh, job for you. Don't <laughs> just don't. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's not, no. So I mean, we've we've gone off course, but yeah, definitely watch the others. Um, if if you're into ghosts, if you haven't seen it, don't look up the ending. No, no, just watch it straight through. It's not mm -hmm. going to be like possession where you know we had to go through the okay body horror this that the other thing no it's not gonna get you that way yeah um, little so to it's, no trigger it's definitely warning. no yeah no it it really is it does come across as a psychological horror film mm -hmm. but it it's it's the concept of being haunted and haunting mm -hmm. um and and it's just a beautiful film. And Nicole yeah. Kidman is great in it. And the kids yeah. are really good too. With all of these movies, there's that's why I get so riled up and many people do with horror being like the rejected genre of all the critics and people thinking that horror movies are just trash and etc. And sure, there's crap in every genre for one thing. Yes. But there's so, especially in horror, you get so much crossover with a movie like The Others or Possession or The Shining or what have you, because there's so much that goes into all of it. Like, I don't know. It's, it's a thing that drives me crazy. It drives all horror fans crazy. But like when I tell people one of, that The Shining is not one of my favorite horror movies, it's one of my favorite films right out. Like mm -hmm. any, people from distinct schools who are in a very narrow stream, like a very narrow stream of thought don't, they can't conceptualize that, but it's a horror movie. And it's like, yeah, but it's also a thriller. It's also this, it's also that. Like there's so much that goes it's in. It's a good movie. Yeah. I mean, it's it's very well crafted. It's well scripted. Uh <laughs> amazingly acted and it tells more than one story in a way because mm -hmm. it's it, it's a mystery as you say it's a it's a horror film it's 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 about life it's about death it's about <laughs> uh talk about uh being you know feeling closed in and claustrophobic that you know they're in this huge hotel but it doesn't matter because it, it just gets smaller and smaller because there's, it's just them. Mm -hmm. And ugh. yeah. And I know there are a lot of people now and perhaps rightly. So I understand there are people who won't watch it because of how Kubrick treated Shelley Duvall. And yeah. I can understand that perspective to a certain extent, but if you're a true film lover and you, you just want to experience like if you really care about movies you have to set that aside because otherwise you're not going to be able to watch a movie that what until like 20 god until movies were made incredibly recently you're not going to be able to watch movies because there's one director there's one actor there's one something that did something awful yeah and yeah you have to learn to separate the art from the artist in that way. If you want to experience media or film in as an art form, 
Yeah. I know you know this. I'm, I'm just saying in general. Yeah. Yeah. That's something I hear a lot from people who are like, oh, I, I don't, I won't watch that because this director did this. And it's just like, but they'll still freely criticize it. It's like, you can't, you can't criticize the work. You can't criticize the book if you haven't read it. Yeah. And, and that's basically how I feel. I don't care if you don't want to watch it because of what a director said, did whatever. I don't care. I mean, I won't watch, you know, somebody says I won't watch Polanski because, uh, you know, of what he did to the 13 year old girl. Fine. I don't have Mm -hmm. a problem with that, but don't criticize the film. You can criticize him all you want. That's Mm -hmm. a matter of public record. You know, you can, you can Mm -hmm. go, he was a terrible person. He's still a terrible person. And I'll nod and go, yep, 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 yep. But you can't say, you know, well, Rosemary's Baby was a crap film. Right. <laughs> well, unless you saw it and you thought it was a crap film, you can't say that, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, it does not affect the art. It does not affect the film. It doesn't affect any film. Like, I think, what was it? We were talking earlier about Nosferatu, the one with Klaus Kinski in it. The, uh... Yeah. The... Oh, no... The German director's just name went right out of my head. Oh no, it's getting late. But <laughs> um, uh, it's not the Murnau film; it's the remake. Yeah, the guy. And I'm not getting his name. Werner Herzog. Werner Herzog's Nosferatu. Yes, yes. And yeah, how can I forget him? I know, right? I was just. It just. <laughs> it, I love Werner is... Herzog, and my brain just went no. Yeah, I just kept hearing in my head, I want to see the baby. I want to see the baby. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> that's what's in that's what my brain is now. <laughs> but that's what the media has done to me. But yeah, so I, I think and if uh we've been talking for quite a while, this usually happens. Yeah, I think I think we're at the end because yeah. we've talked about all of them. So, mm-hmm. you know watch these movies and you know, think about uh, movies that you like that have to do with the paranormal and and tell us about them because I, I love to talk about movies. Um, it's kind of weird to talk about movies on a podcast uh, mm. because, you know, you want to have some film clips, but then you get into copyright and all that mess. But I, mm. I didn't, you know, and I don't want to be on a video because blah, <laughs> <laughs> blah. Um, but yeah, it's just tell us what you like, um, and why you like it. And that is, you know, and maybe we'll do this again if you, you guys had fun with it. Yeah, I'd love to do this again. I'd also love to hear what other movies have introduced people to the paranormal in that way. And I should have asked you at the beginning, what was yours in, in the same instance that The Shining was for me? I have to think about it for a minute. Oh, the tables have turned. <laughs> mm-hmm. I have to think about it for a minute. Um, see, I would honestly say it has to be um, one of the one of the universal horror films. I think it was probably Bride of Frankenstein because mm. I saw that before Frankenstein, and so the whole concept of bringing the dead to life came from that film mm. um, in my, in my universe. 
And then I went from that to reading Mary Shelley. Um, and then another one that I saw really early on would have been The Black Cat with Vincent Ooh. Price. <laughs> yeah, we, we watched like horror movies with my cousins like every weekend, just about. So I was seeing all this stuff and, you know, it generally didn't bother me because it wasn't um, World War II uh, <laughs> with, that was actually happening in front of me. So it, it was much more easy for me to deal with. I was never afraid of monsters as much as I was of other people. Mm, yeah, that's that's fair. I was always more ghosts. Ghosts have always been my thing, but I too grew up with the universal horror, especially Frankenstein and the mummy was a big one for me. Um, oh yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, I have such a soft spot for the mummy in general, but I what that was the first time I remember very clearly watching it in my aunt's living room because she had the VHS where at the very beginning when the handsome young archaeologist just cracks. Yeah. I remember that striking me very deeply as a kid where I was just like, oh, he's gone wrong. Can, can adults <laughs> do that? Does that happen to adults? Mm -hmm. Yeah. That'll mess yeah. up your worldview right there as a kid. Oh, sure adults did. can totally lose their crap and run around being all, mm -hmm. yeah. Yep. And then there was Jack Nicholson in The Shining. So we, <laughs> <laughs> we know where your brain went. <laughs> Speaking of being a <laughs> hell as other people. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And that's why The Shining did frighten me when I finally did see it. So it was, mm -hmm. it was him. Mm -hmm. Now there were ghosts, but they didn't scare me so much as he did. Mm. Yeah, except that but, dog man and the the man in the tuxedo he was blowing. Yikes. Oh yeah, that that's yeah, that's that is some That was that was just me going, "What? <laughs> Where did that come from?" Uh, well, thank you for coming back. Um and thank you for, you know, recording it again. Hopefully yeah, it, it stays this time. Yes, um, absolutely. And thank you for having me back. This was really fun. I'd love to come back and do it again. And perhaps Morgana can come back. Maybe we'll have another guest, whoever wants yeah. to join. I love talking yeah. movies. And um, yeah. if I may give a shout out, is that okay? Yes, please. On the day we're recording is my boyfriend Chris's birthday. So happy birthday. Aw, happy <laughs> birthday. That's great. And, you know, we had that coincidence of Sam Neill saying that was his favorite movie that he's been in. Mm -hmm. His mm. possession. And I can see that. He did some good work on it. So, Yes. Especially after seeing... I watched Jurassic Park Dominion in the same weekend that I rewatched Possession. Oh, wow. That'll, that'll give you... <laughs> that, that shook me a bit. I was like, oh, Sam Neill. <laughs> <laughs> Come back to drama. We need you. <laughs> well, that's all for this week's episode of the Six Degrees of John Keel podcast. If you have any questions or thoughts about the podcast or would like to come and talk about your experiences of the paranormal, you can contact us at 6djk67 at gmail.com. We promise to even answer you, and we are always happy to hear from you. Thank you.
Thank you.